Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brandt. I'm a certified functional medicine practitioner. I work around the world helping people get to the root cause of their health problems. Most people have been to 5, 10, 15, 20 different practitioners and specialists before they reach out to me. And usually we help them uncover things that they've never uncovered before, whether it's heavy metals, pesticides, mold toxin, bacterial infections, parasites, worms, all of it. And I had to fix myself because no one could help me. And that's my story. You know, I got into this because of my own digestive problems, but then I also learned I had mood problems and fatigue. And it was a long journey. I'm still on the journey, but luckily with advanced functional medicine lab testing, I've been able to uncover many, many, many of my own root causes. And I've been able to make significant progress enough to help other people and to coach doctors and other practitioners to do what I do. And there's more coming in terms of an actual uh, podcast a practice course, but for now, I have my better belly, better energy, and better home functional medicine training courses. Check them out if you haven't. We just did a bundle deal where people could buy all three of those together. It was pretty good, but you know, we had like five people enroll versus when we did the initial launch for Better Belly, we had like 500. So I think it's a harder sell for people to buy a more expensive bundle because usually you have one specific problem you're trying to fix, like belly. So the belly course on its own sells better than the bundle. So that's what we've learned, but you never know until you try and then you see how it goes. So those are all still available all a cart, just to be clear. Better Belly, that is your at-home functional medicine training course for just regular people like you, also practitioners listening. So this will help you elevate your clinical skills and knowledge. You'll be able to see and learn specific case studies. Here's what was wrong with someone. Here's what the symptoms look like. Here's what their labs look like. Here's the protocol we used. Here's the follow-up results. Here's their update. That's all inside of that course. It's incredibly valuable for what you get. Hope you'll check it out. And in terms of clinical help, if you need help one-on-one, you can still reach out. My staff's available. Got another functional medicine practitioner on my team, but that is all at evanbrand.com. Let's get into the show today. This is an interview that I did with my good friend, Jody Cohen. She's awesome. And she had me on her event. She's had me on several of her essential oil events. Uh, This one in particular, I think was stellar. I listened back to some of the other interviews. This talk that I gave here got voted as one of the top talks. Thank you all for that. And in terms of reviews, I'm going to be giving away a free bottle of my GABA chewables to someone who writes a review. So whether you're listening on Spotify or if you're on any other podcast platform, give me some reviews. I will be picking a random review. I will announce the name or whatever username you have, and I will send you a free bottle of one of my best-selling formulas, which is called GABA Chews, which is a chewable pharma GABA which is delicious. It hits you within about five minutes. It'll settle you down in terms of anxiety, irritability, just the overwhelm. You can't relax. You need alcohol or sugar to try to chill out. That's low GABA. You can boost that GABA function naturally. We do not use synthetic GABA. We use a natural GABA. So it's amazing and it tastes so good. And so that's going to be a free giveaway. Just review my podcast and I will announce that soon. Thanks so much. All right, here we go. Welcome, Evan. It's nice to see you. Hey, Jody. Nice to see you, too. 
So I start every interview by asking everyone how they define resilience. My definition is able to tolerate a crazy modern world without ending up in the ER because you're having panic attacks or you're having hives because you're reacting to your environment or you're reacting to your foods or other toxins and pollutants, to be able to sleep at night without tossing and turning all night, to be able to wake up rested, to be able to handle bad news occasionally without breaking or what we've talked about in previous interviews together, the the freeze response of the nervous system. If you're not resilient, then you can't handle stress. You do shut down. You do freeze under times of stress. And I think we need a tribe of resilient people on the planet because working with people clinically, I question whether there are any resilient people left. So I'm really happy you're doing this event. And I hope that we can shed some light and empower some people and teach them how to become resilient because I do truly believe we need a lot more wolves out there to really help you know, keep the, the tribe healthy. No, I, I totally agree. And it's interesting because people come to you, I know, for like fatigue, anxiety, depression, and they might not see how the gut and environmental toxins are impacting their mental health. So can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Well, I'll start with a quick story about me. My resilience was broken. I moved down to Austin, Texas in 2013. That was before Austin was super cool. Now it's like the cool place to be. There's probably too many people there for me now. But but back then is when I moved down there. And I tell you, my stress response was broken. I remember hearing sirens in the middle of the night. We lived like 200 yards away from a cell tower because we basically rented a place that we, we rented without looking, which was a terrible idea. And I was up every night. I had to go pee. I would have anxiety. I would have panic attacks. I would have skin rashes. I was having food sensitivities. I was not resilient at all. And so I really had to learn how to build myself back up from ground zero. I mean, I was to the point where I remember one night I was just laying on the floor. I had my my legs up in an elevated position and I was just trying to slow my heart rate. I had major tachycardia. My pulse was like 160 and I was just laying on the floor. Luckily, my wife, you know, thought to carry me basically to the bathroom and throw me in the tub with some Epsom salt and some lavender essential oil and put on some classical music. And then I realized, crap, I really got to start working on myself. I really have to start building up my resilience because the stress of moving and new career and leaving family behind and all of that, it was too much loss and too much grief. And I wasn't able to process it all. So I think that's where working on brain retraining really came into play. I know that's totally different tangent than the question you asked, but I want to just make the point that a lot of us, we have to get to rock bottom before we can learn to be resilient. And I hope that our conversation today can save people and meaning you don't have to get to the rock bottom. If you can see yourself headed towards rock bottom now, it's okay to just pause and let's just try to get you out of that hole now, because if you get to the bottom, it's much harder and it takes longer to pull you out. But back to the, the gut piece. So when you have gut infections, which I did, I think that was part of the reason I was so stressed and anxious when I was down in Texas is because I had multiple infections. I had H. pylori, which is a bacterial infection that damages your parietal cells. This is how you make stomach acid. So essentially you're putting a blanket on your digestive fire. And when that happens, now you have hypochlorhydria, which is low stomach acid, and you've got all this fermentation of your food, feeding bacteria and feeding candida. So I ended up with massive gut problems and those bacterial infections, along with parasites, I had Giardia and I had crypto, 
which I may have had from childhood, like swimming in lakes and creeks and streams, but it could have also been from Barton Springs. That's a super common place, like a swimming hole in Austin. It's a wild spring though. So if you jump in there and you get the water, you swallow it, or you get it in your sinuses, it very well could be contaminated with parasites like most surface water in the U.S. is. But anyway, those parasites wreck your gut. They create leaky gut. They're producing internal toxins. They're robbing you of your amino acids, which then affects your neurotransmitters. So now you've got low dopamine. So you have no drive or energy or focus. Now you've got low serotonin. So you're irritable and anxious. Now you've got low GABA. So you're ending up with panic and heart palpitations and you, you can't relax. You have a hard time relaxing and you're emotionally eating. So what really happens is gut infections can come in. Those weaken the immune system. That then opens up the gut barrier. Toxins get into the bloodstream. This creates more systemic inflammation. They rob your nutrition. So you are starving from the inside out. Then you get the neurotransmitter problems. Then you're depressed. Then you're anxious. Then you end up in the emergency room with a panic attack. They send you home with Xanax and that's it. And then you go back to your general practitioner and he just puts you on like a daily dose of some benzodiazepine and says, you're just stressed. And that's as far as the conversation goes in the mainstream world. Yeah, that, that was a really great explanation of how the gut impacts your mental health. What are some of the other, you know, the people that are coming to you, what are other environmental or, you know, or physical conditions that are throwing them out of balance and out of resilience? I would say heavy metals are huge and I know it's played out and heavy metals sound trendy and they sound sexy. Like it's where people point the finger, but it, but it really is true. And we're exposed to heavy metals even before we're born. I mean, we know that a lot of uh, placenta and breast milk samples are contaminated. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of chemicals in newborn babies. I've tested children that are two months old and they have higher levels of toxic chemicals and heavy metals than my 90 year old clients when they didn't have as much exposure. So I can tell you that heavy metals are going to affect the gut. They're going to affect the brain the blood brain barrier as well. I would say mold and mycotoxins are huge. We live in an epidemic society of mold problems, partly due to how tight our homes are ever since we had the I don't remember what the name of it was, but basically an energy bill that forced our homes to be tighter and they don't breathe as much. That's good for energy efficiency. But now we have these indoor toxic boxes that don't breathe. And I know you've heard Dr. Klinghart talk about this since you're real good friends with Christine. And Klinghart says something which I think should be easy to prove, but I haven't seen anybody prove it yet. But I think he's right, which is that when mold is exposed to EMF, that it creates 600 times more mycotoxins. And that makes sense because some of the sickest people I see, they're in super urban environments like Manhattan in a moldy, old moldy apartment building with a cell phone tower on top of their building. And those are the people that are just absolutely wrecked. So I think EMF has a role. Uh, I know a lot of people, they've been concerned about Elon Musk satellite, the Starlink project, which is like 42,000 satellites, which are going to be up in space. I've talked with a couple of really smart people in the EMF industry. They don't think it's a huge deal. I know Mercola's talked about it and, and he's pretty concerned, but I've talked with several people who are building biologists. They say that's not a big deal as big as the 5G towers because of the distance. So the satellites, you know, those are going to be hundreds of miles away versus 5G could potentially be on every other street corner or every fifth house, depending on what article you read. So I know that EMF's a factor because if I put on a Bluetooth uh, which I don't like to do, but I'll do it in short doses. I'll put on a Bluetooth heart rate monitor. And if I go into the city, I'll look for those little, looks like a little, 
cylinder, those are the 5G. If I go next to that, my heart rate variability decreases, indicating that I'm being shoved into a sympathetic state of my nervous system. So when you look at all of it, you look at the mold, you look at the pesticide and herbicide glyphosate, you look at the heavy metals, you look at car exhaust, if you're real close to, you know, to highways, you look at poor buildings with no ventilation and toxic building materials. It's, it's no surprise that, you know, we have a, a mess on our, on our hands. Yeah. It's a perfect storm. Mm-hmm, it is. Well, and then people don't know how to get out of it. Cause see, what's the effect of all of this? Well, they lose the resilience because now you can't respond to the threat of, let's say a guy cutting you off on the highway and brake checking you. You can't respond to that because your nervous system is so focused on all the toxins, whether it's your internal toxins, whether it's the, you know, the, the 5G tower next to you blasting you 24 seven, you're so sympathetically stressed. You literally can't downshift. And it's in that parasympathetic, that rest and digest that downshifting mode. That's where yeah. we really get our thinking done. And you can't think about what you're going to do next year or in five years or 10 years. You can't plan your future if you're running from a bear. And so like when we're talking about resilience, you're like, well, what do we do? How do we get ourselves out of this? I think it's really important to try to create that downshifting effect. The problem is no matter how much meditation and yoga and even essential oils, which I love and I know you love, no matter how much of that we do, I don't think you can fully pull your nervous system out of that sympathetic overdrive unless you fix as many of these things in your toxin bucket. So the toxic foods, the toxic pollutants, the gut infections, constantly releasing lipopolysaccharides, the candida releasing acetaldehyde, which is like an alcohol molecule that creates a lot of brain fog. I don't think you can fully get out of this until you clear some of that other stuff out. Yeah. They're all additive and cumulative and any like, stressor that you can take off of your plate gives you more energy and more resilience. And I had so much that I was up against. I mean, when I look back at my labs, it's like, no wonder I felt like crap. And then I had the the lifestyle stress and all of that too. So I think the important thing for people is to try to get a baseline of where you're at. So I would definitely encourage people, if you're not working with a practitioner, find a good functional medicine person that can help you and get just some, what I consider basic. It's not basic to a medical doctor on the corner, but basic to me, since I do it hundreds of times a year, get an organic acids test done. I like Great Plains, get a mycotoxin test so you can look at your mold toxin and see if you're a reservoir for mold toxin. At least 25% of the population has a genetic defect where their bodies don't recognize the mold and therefore can't detox or create a detox system, if you will, for the mycotoxin. So if you have been told you're crazy by your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad or your brother, and why are you sick and I'm not? Well, it could be that there's a different process. The husband may detox the mold well. And we've seen couples that live in a moldy house, for example, the wife tests really high. The husband doesn't test with any mycotoxins at all. Well, how the heck does that happen? Well, number one, she's a stay at home mom. She works at home, you know, and does consulting or whatever at home. And then he's out at the office. So he's already out of the home eight or 10 hours a day. That already reduces his exposure by over half. And she's at home with the kids or homeschooling or whatever. So, so that's one reason. But the other reason is the genetics. So you really got to test this stuff and, and not guess because you could listen to what I'm saying and say, well, do I just need to go do a parasite cleanse? The answer is, I don't know. Do I need yeah. to go do a heavy metal detox with chlorella and cilantro and charcoal and zeolite? The answer is, I don't know. But you can answer that question for less than a couple thousand bucks. You could get an incredibly comprehensive workup with an oat test, a myco 
You can do what's called a TOX, which is a chemical test. That's where I look at like gasoline additives. We look at paint. We look at xylene, nail polish chemicals, herbicides. Um, did I say plastics already? You could look at plastics. Uh, you could look at dry cleaning chemicals. You could look at water pollutants. And then you could do a stool test, which I like the GI map. That's a DNA-based stool test. You just poop in a tray and scoop it into the tube and ship it back to the lab. And you can roll in or out all these infections. You can roll in or out C. diff and cryptosporidium, giardia, blasto, worms, like whipworm. You can yeah. look at gut inflammation. You could look at your pancreatic enzyme function. This is what I think that's where the magic really is, because I guarantee you 99% of people listening and watching this. I'm going to guess they have a cupboard or a pantry or who knows, maybe even a whole room full of supplements that they bought mm -hmm. and they heard it on a podcast or a blog or a webinar. They thought right. it might be the magic cure. They spent a hundred or a thousand bucks on it. And now they don't know what the heck it's going to do. It's sitting there expiring in what I call the supplement graveyard. <laughs> and they could have saved all that money if they would have just like tested and figured out what they actually needed and what was actually wrong. Yeah, it, it's a delicate balance between the chestnut gas and the low hanging fruit of what seems to help everyone, you know, like a lot of the toxins that you mentioned, if, if they just remove them from their current interaction that, you know, at least they're not adding to the burden. Yeah. Now, if I had somebody who just literally had, let's say they only had like 500 bucks to their name, and it was an option of doing a test or actually starting some sort of protocol. I think with a really good assessment, a really good intake and history on somebody, you could probably just do a good guess and check protocol. And you could say, hey, based on it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So in the case of gut infections, if we saw that there was diarrhea alternating with constipation and bloating and burping after every meal and food intolerances, we could assume there's probably some gut infections going on, creating maybe the histamine intolerance or salicylate problem or IBS. And so we may come in with just some gentle antimicrobials. Like I've got one called Microbiome Support One. If I had to guess, I'd probably just give someone that for six weeks. It's got berberine and some wild indigo and some other antimicrobial herbs in it. See how well they do. If you could get somebody 50% better just based on guessing, that's still a win. So I don't want people to be frustrated and say, well, Evan thinks everybody's got to be rich and you got to have $20,000 to get this done. You really don't. I mean, a couple grand can go a long way, but if, if it's a matter of, do you buy the groceries for the week or do you buy some herbs to help you or the test? You know, I think in that case, I probably would go for the herbs and I would try to just, like you said, lighten the low. We assume that most people are toxic I've rarely found a non-toxic person unless they're doing a sauna all the time. It's always interesting to look at those people on paper. It's like, whoa, saunas do work. Uh, some of the like 80-year-old clients that I have, I'll look at their urine. I'm like, what are you doing? Because you have no toxins. I'm like, well, I'm in the sauna four times a week. I'm like, wow. And how long have you been doing that? 20 years. I'm like, whoa, okay. So that's cool. And that, just in case people don't understand, the skin is the largest organ. And by being in the sauna, you're helping toxins go out of the skin, which is a huge pathway. Yeah. And it sounds too good to be true. Like a sauna just sounds like something for like a fancy French guy to have in his mansion or something. But no, I mean, saunas can be so small that they can fold up and be stored under your bed. I mean, they have all sorts of portable infrared saunas on the market. Now I know there's one called a Therasage 360. It's like 800 bucks and it's foldable. It's like a little tent where your head sticks out. If you're on an extreme budget, you could do something like that. 
And people may be listening and going, well, what the heck does this have to do with resilience and building resilience? Well, because you got to get the toxic load out or your nervous system is, is going alert, alert, danger, danger, but it's not external danger. It's just responding to all the internal toxins that are creating this danger response. You can't mow the lawn when the house is on fire. So we're helping to put out the fire of the house so that you have more resilience for other things. Totally. Can you tell people that are listening, like for, for Asana, what would you recommend? How many minutes, what temperature and how often? Well, so when I was a newbie and I thought I knew what I was talking about and maybe had a little bit of ego involved in the beginning, I'd be like, yeah, half an hour, three times a week, 150 degrees Fahrenheit. But after telling that to hundreds of people and then seeing how people respond, that's way too much and potentially way too often and potentially way too hot. And here's the problem is generic cookie cutter recommendations and protocols that I used to use even seven, eight years ago, those could even be too much now because our population is becoming so sick and so sensitive that now everything is having to be cut in half, the dosage, the timing in terms of sauna, the temperature. So now kind of my new recommendation based on people becoming sick and toxic is I'd say about 120 to 130 degrees. Mm -hmm. And we're talking a far infrared. So something that's going to be not the rock sauna where you're like pouring water and creating the steam, just a far infrared with like the ceramic heaters or the infrared heaters. If you're in a dry rock sauna, 120 is probably not enough. You're probably not going to sweat or get any real benefit. So the hot rock saunas that have no infrared capabilities, those you probably do need to be up in the 160 to 180 range, but you may only tolerate five minutes and then you got to get out. Right. and, and, and so here's some, and, and I'll tell you some more details on like the timing and stuff, but I think here's a few details that people need. You can't be dehydrated. You can't be mineral imbalanced. You can't be deficient in glutathione. You can't have overwhelmed lymphatic and liver toxicity issues, and then try to do a sauna and hope that it's going to fix all those problems. So I really think it's important for people, whether you're doing like Quinton, which is like a seawater, or you're doing electrolytes adaptogenic herbs, maybe holy basil, Siberian ginseng, maybe some Panax ginseng, uh, some B vitamins, some vitamin C, maybe some liver tonifying, lymphatic tonifying herbs, whether it's red root or milk thistle or uh, red sage or what people call danshan or salvia for the spleen. You may need to come in with some of that, maybe some glutathione, one to 300 milligrams. You may need to start building some of that up. Fatty acids, like you may need phosphatidylcholine. You may need some fish oil. Some of the baseline supplements like that will prevent you from having a big Herx or die-off reaction. The last thing you want to do is put a super toxic, nutrient-depleted, glyphosate-laden, you know, glutathione-deficient person who's dehydrated and drinks coffee before water kind of person. You, that's the last thing you want to do. Sew them in a sauna for half an hour to 150 degrees. They're going to feel like crap. So I really think you got to get your foundation in order and you have to quote prep the person just like I do fertility coaching with women. Like, Hey, we got to get your body healthy and ready to have a yeah. baby. We got to get the body ready before we just go straight to the sauna. But once all that's done, then I think you could go for 130 degrees. I'd say 15, 20 minutes, three times a week not back-to-back days. I'd probably put a day in between that. Most people can tolerate that, but if you feel woozy, you feel dizzy, you feel spacey, you feel disconnected from reality, your heart feels like it's beating out of your chest, it's probably time to get out and go take a cold shower and soap off. You know, it's funny. When I ran my first marathon, there was uh, Jeff Galloway, who started the New York Roadrunners Association, had this very specific protocol. I, I like roadmaps, which is why I'm doing the Resilience Roadmap. 
but I trained following that specific protocol and it was great. And I had a lot of friends that tried to go from like zero to 10 miles and it killed them. You, you really do slow and steady wins the race. So I, I love that you laid that out. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard for your ego too, because most of the sick people that we work with are type A's or CEOs or executives, they're attorneys, they're teachers, they're moms with three kids. And these are go-getters. I mean, the reason people are listening and watching right now is because they're go-getters. They're on the hustle. They're on the grind to feel better. These are the type of people who maybe they're perfectionists. They're that more type A person. They want to get stuff done. Come on, baby, give it to me and I'm going to do it. Yeah. But you, you really get your ego checked when you try to go all in and you go too fast and too hard. And I've made that mistake. I went too high with chlorella. I've gone too high with the sauna temperature and the duration. I've gone too high in terms of glutathione production and made myself dizzy for days on end because I did too many binders for mold detox. So I've learned by suffering, <laughs> but uh, I think just go slow and steady and, and you got to take your time because all of us want to get better yesterday but tomorrow is the next best day to get better. But it may take a year. It may take two. It may take three. And that's okay. I think people just have to remember, look, if you've been sick for 40 years and you get better in three years, that's pretty damn fast. Yeah. But to expect, you know, I have some clients that they'll say, oh, well, it's been six weeks and I'm only a little bit better. It's like only six weeks. That's You need to frame it as in six weeks, you've gotten five, 10% better. Like that's incredible. You've been sick the same for 40 years. So six weeks to make that significant of change is, is massive. So I think people lose perspective. And I think that's part of the problem with resiliency too, is like, I think Amazon ruined us all because everything's like two day shipping. So we want like two day results. And if we don't have it, it's like, I'm frustrated. Where's my energy? I wanted to take this pill and feel better now. And if it's not now, that instant gratification society we've turned into, it's just, we're like little kids, you know, we're like little whiny babies. It's like, no, I don't feel anything yet. It's like, you're two days in, give it two months, give it two years. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to delve into, because you're such an expert is herbs. You know, people, uh, those that are listening are, are probably familiar with pills, with pharmaceutical drugs. Can you talk a little bit about herbs and how they're so good for the gut microbiome and and how they're, you know, how they work, That why you pick herbs. Sure. Well, let's compare and contrast because I think that'd be a fun intro into it. Okay. If you, if you go down the road to your GP, you tell them you've got diarrhea. Actually, I'll tell you exactly what happens because my grandfather just did this last week. He had diarrhea for about a week and I gave him some charcoal and I gave him some ginger and some herbs. I'm like, you're going to be fine. Just hang in there. We're going to get you through this. He freaks out. He's old school. He's like, I'm going to go to the doctor. So the doctor orders a CT scan for diarrhea. I mean, this is no, this is like not an x-ray. I mean, we're talking potentially 50 to 100 times more radiation than an x-ray. Guess what? The CT scan comes back perfectly normal. They put a radioactive tracer in his body for no reason. And guess what the doctor says? Here's some antibiotics, take them for a month. I'm like, okay, a CT scan, which shows nothing. And now you're just guessing that he needs an antibiotic and you're going to recommend that for a month. I mean, that is insane. This is happening every day. It's hard to believe in 2021 when we're recording this, that that's still the, the typical prescription, but I hear it every day, all day. So that's the conventional model. And of course, what that's going to do, if we're talking gut infections, stealing resiliency, the bacteria, the candida, the parasites, whatever you're after, maybe you kill some of that with the antibiotics. It is true. Antibiotics do have some anti-inflammatory properties. I will admit that. 
but they're not root cause. If you use an antibiotic for parasites, it's probably not going to treat those effectively. And if you have fungal issues, it's probably not going to treat that either because those are antibiotics, not antifungals. Then you've disrupted your gut even more. Now you've damaged your mitochondria even more. So you're more tired and your gut is more a mess. So that's why I do herbs. So if we were to test you and you showed up with Giardia and Crypto and Blasto and H. pylori and Candida, which is a common occurrence to happen altogether, we're going to come in with herbs that have similar properties in, in the terms of killing bacteria that don't belong, knocking out fungal infections, something like a nice statin would do, but in herbal form. And then also we're going to help lower inflammation. You can do all that with herbs and you can do it with virtually zero side effects ever, unless you kill too much too fast. Maybe someone has a couple of loose bouts of stool, but beyond that, the safety profile is incredibly like, it's amazing how safe herbs are, even though the FDA I saw last week or week before they, they took all NAC, N-acetylcysteine, which is not an herb, it's a nutrient, but they took all N-acetylcysteine supplements off of Amazon. And I don't know if it's going to get reclassified as a drug or what, but we know with uh, viral issues that have happened. We know that NAC is an amazing way to help the body. And it's a very important precursor for glutathione, which is your master antioxidant. So we see the war on herbs. And we see that if you go to the doctor and you tell them you're on herbs, their initial gut reaction is stop all supplements. I remember when I went to the hospital, when I was having, I thought I had a blood clot, my leg felt swollen, it was red, it was hot. I thought, okay, I've got a blood clot in my leg. I went into the ER years ago. And they asked me what supplements I was taking. They didn't know any of what I was talking about, any of the herbs, but they just said, stop all the supplements that may have contributed to this. It's like, that's their initial gut reaction. So I just encourage people, don't be afraid, uh, but let's be a little more actionable. So what herbs could you use to help resiliency? Well, adaptogenic herbs are going to be the category to go for, because these are things that have been around for thousands of years. We know that, uh, Whatever culture you look at, China is probably the most studied culture with adaptogens. They've been using them for at least 3,000 years. And these are things that you can take in acute stress situations, or these are things you can take long-term as more of a tonic resilience building effect. So I like to do both. And so more acute things would be like rhodiola. So if you're going to do like a tough mutter event and you need some extra physical endurance, rhodiola is something that's been shown to help reduce hypoxia. Or if for some reason you've got some type of illness that's stealing your oxygen, we know that rhodiola will actually protect the cells against hypoxia, which is a basically starvation of oxygen. So rhodiola is something that I personally keep on hand. I recommend tincture form and you could also do capsules. I like to do Gaia Professional. They've got a liquid phytocap. So there's liquid inside. And as soon as that cap hits your tummy, it breaks open and the liquid absorbs immediately. Now, rhodiola could also be used long-term. So we use it a lot for anxiety. It's a very potent antidepressant too. So when we look at depression, depression is, if not number one, it's number two top leading cause of disability in the United States. Rhodiola can help reverse that statistic. And it also is incredible for physical endurance. So if you're someone who's working physically, whether it's just in the garden or whether you work in the construction industry or you're building a tiny home or whatever you're doing, Rodeol is something that's going to give you that ex extra physical umph. So that's a game changer. I would say my second favorite would be Eleuthero, which a lot of people know as Siberian ginseng. I like to mix those. So I'll often do about two to 500 milligrams of rhodiola early in the day. Don't do it past noon or you probably won't sleep because you're going to be so energetic. So morning rhodiola, like maybe 8 a.m., 
You could take two to 500 milligrams rhodiola. Unless you're bipolar, don't take it because it can really jack up your mood. I don't know what the mechanism is, but some bipolar people, they just go too manic. They get just, they get so happy and then they crash. So that's good, but not if you crash. So just be a little cautious if you're diagnosed bipolar, but I would argue bipolar is probably just a made up name and there's probably root causes triggering that, but that's a whole nother can of worms. Gut related. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Eleuthero, you could probably come in around 150 to 300 milligrams. So that would be a great stack. If someone's like, how do I increase resiliency? How do I feel better? Yeah. Three, 300 milligrams of rhodiola with 300 milligrams of Siberian ginseng is a pretty good broad spectrum approach for 99% of people that would work amazing. And there's rarely, if any possible side effects besides less fatigue, less anxiety, less depression, more energy more drive, more motivation. I mean, that's about the list of side effects you're going to get. That's wonderful. That's, that's a great, uh, you know, we won't make them guess or test, but uh, they can start there. What do you think of ashwagandha? I love ashwagandha. A lot of people are fearful about it. There's this talk about ashwagandha potentially being a problem for people with Hashimoto's or other autoimmune conditions. I tell you, I've used ashwagandha in hundreds of female clients that have Hashimoto's and other autoimmune issues. It is not a problem at all. I don't know who you know, fudged what study or whatever, how that became like a, a scary thing. It is true that ashwagandha is a nightshade, but I believe when you're extracting the beneficial component from the ashwagandha, I believe it's so far removed that it doesn't have that same nightshade triggering effect like tomatoes and peppers and potatoes would in a nightshade sensitive patient. So I don't think it's a problem. Ashwagandha for some people is good, not good for others. Who would it not be good for? Well, I've noticed people with chronic fatigue, it can go, it, it can go one way or the other. Some people with chronic fatigue, ashwagandha, it really lifts them up and helps them come out of the depression that is usually associated with the fatigue. Other people, it tends to make them more tired. I don't know if it's some people, it has a cortisol lowering effect and others, it raises cortisol. I mean, adaptogens are supposed to balance you, right? They're supposed to help you. You give the body the nutrients and the body decides what to do with it, but Honestly, I would probably go for holy basil before I would go for ashwagandha because holy basil is one that, especially on the topic of resilience, um, holy basil is something that makes me feel pretty much invincible. I mean, when I take holy basil, I mean, I almost walk around with an S on my chest for Superman. I feel amazing. I feel like I can conquer the world. I'm not afraid of anything. It eases fears. It eases anxiety. If you're like facing physical stress, mental stress, emotional stress, as most of us are, to me, holy basil is something I would go for long before I would touch ashwagandha. I do like ashwagandha, but I personally am going to use it like mid to late afternoon and it helps with sleep. So if I take it like 4 p.m., I'm going to sleep so much better that night. But the weird thing is, is if I take it at 10 p.m. right before bed, it messes up my sleep. Oh, so there is kind of so there is a timing component to this thing, too. Wonderful. Well, this has been so helpful. And I mean, you've really... Um, given us so many tools for resilience, is there anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to add? I think everyone could benefit from a gentle binder. I've tested hundreds, if not over a thousand clients, and I can tell you everyone's toxic. And I think everyone could benefit from a gentle binder. And binders scare people because it sounds like you're going to deplete all your minerals and all of that. It's simply not true. Maybe you're losing a tiny fraction of your minerals if you're doing something like charcoal or zeolite or bentonite clay or chlorella or cilantro, but 
that's such a small, you have to do a risk reward analysis. There's so much benefit in removing toxins and so low risk of maybe depleting a tiny fraction of a mineral like with charcoal. So I think right. everyone could benefit from doing, let's just say 250 milligrams, which is a pretty standard dose of charcoal, 250 milligrams of charcoal before bed every night. Try it out for a few weeks, try it out for a month. My wife completely reversed her sleeping issues with charcoal. And, and I believe, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, no, and, and if people don't understand what a binder is, um, toxins uh, often get reabsorbed in the gut and binders are like magnets. They pull them out so that they leave the body. Exactly. Yeah. And you poop them out. So if you're constipated, it's possible that charcoal makes you a little more constipated. And if you have to take some sort of prescription medication, obviously don't take that at the same time because it'll reduce the effectiveness of the medication. However, most people don't take meds before bed unless it's a sleeping pill. And we probably could get you off that sleeping pill if we just fixed your gut and fixed all these other issues. But do you, do you have any brands you love of um, binders? Yeah. So um, biobotanical research makes a good one. Yeah, GI detox. That one works well for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good Jenna one. Uh, Beyond Balance has a good one too. They're a practitioner brand. So you have to have a practitioner order it, but they have one called Toxies Bind, which is like a fulvic acid charcoal blend. That one works amazing too. But if you're on a budget or if you just need something easy, even just a good like organic coconut shell based charcoal, we use one from a company called Vita Aid, V I T A, Vita Aid. And it's just a charcoal with some organic ginger. My wife completely reversed her sleeping issues with charcoal before bed. And I think the mechanism for her was we got exposed to mold at our previous home. And I believe what happened was the mold. Well, I know what happened. I know this is one of the mechanisms. This is my guess of how it fixed it, though. We know the mechanism of mold, it affects the gut, but it also affects melatonin production. So I believe that mold is downregulating melatonin. So by using charcoal, she was binding up the mold tox, and then her natural production of melatonin was able to self-regulate, and then hence the amazing sleep. So that's something easy. And charcoal is so broad spectrum and very gentle. It will help with pesticide, herbicide. It will help with certain heavy metals. It will help with certain mycotoxins like okra toxin is probably the most common mycotoxin that comes from aspergillus, which is one of the most common molds in a water damaged building. It works great for okra toxin. So you may need other things like the clays and the zeolites and the char, you know, the charcoal mixed with fulvic acid blends. But if you're just like, Hey, I need something easy. I'm a sensitive person. I react to a lot of supplements. Charcoal is probably your best bet Two, maybe 300 milligrams once a day is plenty. And if you're pooping every day, you're in good shape. If you're constipated, you may need to do like three or four grams of vitamin C during the day. Try to make sure your bowels are moving. Cause whether you're using binders or not, if you're not pooping every day, you got a big problem on your hands and you're not going to be resilient as a constipated person. You've got to, you've <laughs> got to be pooping. So that's my favorite line. Cellcor makes some good ones that you can take uh, with food too. They're, they're a good one. All right. Yeah. This Jay was, Davidson's good. Yeah. I like all of his binders. Yeah. The fulvic acids go a long way. Yeah. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing so many tools of resilience. Please share how people can find you. Yeah. Just check out my website. It's evanbrand.com. I've got the podcast there. It's like 400 plus episodes. It's all free. Jody's been on there several times. So check her out on there. We always have fun together and uh, the consult information. If people need help clinically, I work virtually. So if people need help, all the info's on the site. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jody. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. I know we talked specifically about adaptogens in the show. So if you do want to check out my best-selling formula, which is called Adaptogen Tonic, 
you can check that out on my store, AuraRoots.com, A-U-R-A, Roots.com. You can look at that, adapt the gin tonic formula. It's amazing. I take it every single day. It's incredible because it's a blend, and you do get a synergistic benefit when you have a blend, meaning when you take a little bit of ashwagandha plus rhodiola plus eleuthero, it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals five. You get much, much more bang for your buck, meaning that the beneficial compounds you get from one nutrient will then stack with another and then you feel even better. So in terms of resiliency, working hard, supporting your endocrine system, helping out your hormones, helping your brain function, helping you to battle stress without getting frazzled, helping you to sleep better at night, regulating your cortisol rhythm, that's all possible with the help of adaptogenic herbs. Many times females come to me with hormonal issues. They suspect that they need to do bioidentical hormone therapy. In many cases, we can simply just use adaptogenic herbs and the body with those raw materials can handle itself and help regulate itself. So check it out. Adaptogen tonic, I think it's a great start for you and it will help most people significantly. All right, take good care. See you next time and always reach out if you need help. EvanBrand.com. Bye-bye. And we'll cash it in Ooh, you give me some feeling Yeah, ooh, you give me some feeling Ooh, yeah, yeah, Put these games on the side and watch the sunset tonight Talk about the things that you like, girl